On your marks, get set, go. Hello, Miles. Hey, Courtney. What is a kangaroo's favorite type of music? Um, I don't know what. Hip hop. Haha. <laughs> <laughs> what do you get when you cross an Australian accent with a pirate? What? <laughs> a matey treasure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I didn't come up with these. I just read them. <laughs> you should make them more original. You know what? I, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I just said I didn't write them. Yeah, no. That's what I'm saying. You should make uh, them more original. Why don't spiders in Australia go to the dentist? I don't get it. Because <laughs> the answer says because they already have too many fangs. Too many fangs? Uh-huh. Okay. I don't get the joke. You're not funny, Google. Try harder, Google. <laughs> it's too bad you guys aren't laughing Be at my better. jokes. My writers wrote them. <laughs> Your writers. No, that was a, a quote from... One of the hosts from the Oscars, I think. Oh, okay. Just recently, there was... I'm pretty sure it was the Oscars. The host was telling sexist jokes about the Barbie movie, and nobody was laughing at them. And even Ryan Gosling was like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> And he was like, well, all the jokes that you did laugh at were mine. The ones that you didn't think were funny. My writers wrote them. And everyone's <laughs> like, dude, low blow. Don't, don't go there. A lot of kangaroo jokes on here, though. I believe it. Google has a lot about kangaroos. Yeah. Like, what kind of currency do kangaroos use? What? Hop pence. Hop oh. pence. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, moving You're on. You're not funny, Google. <laughs> My writers wrote them. <laughs> um, hi. Hey. It's been a hot minute. It has been a hot like minute. three weeks since yeah. we recorded. And what's happened in those three weeks? I'm nothing much. Like, yeah. went on a mini vacation to the hospital. Are we calling that a vacation? <laughs> Had, um, uh, what's the word I was looking for? Well, I had a baby, <laughs> but I was going to say, like, a medical occurrence occurrence <laughs> happenstance yeah oh uh, yeah our baby is finally here yep she sure is probably hear her in the background grunting and yeah <laughs> more than likely but yep she's there she's trying to say hi but she's unable to because she doesn't know words yet and she's only nine days old <laughs> yep. so yeah that's our big exciting news is our daughter presley was born on january 17th at 1.43 p.m. Mm-hmm. Mountain Standard Time. Yep. She was 8 pounds, 1 ounce. Technically, 8 pounds, 1.7 ounces. But we're just rounding down. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yep, she's a chunker. Yep. But she's such a good baby. She's so sweet. And we are so happy to have her here. We are exhausted. But when are we not? To be <laughs> yeah, honest, that, like, that was... What? That was a thing before she came to. So. <laughs> like nothing has changed. Now we're just tired for different reasons. Or tired times two. Yeah. <laughs> Multiplied. But yeah, she's healthy. She's happy. 
Yeah. And uh, we I'm love doing, her. doing well in case anybody... Uh, no one really cared, but <laughs> I'm just kidding. And I, I care. With that being said, it's my week for a story. It is. So do you have any other updates before we uh, jump into it? Um, or hop into ha, it? Ha, 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 <laughs> ha, ha. No, I did want to share something that I have discovered. Not really recently, but I should say it, it was rediscovered recently. Like within the past couple of weeks. But on TikTok, there's this guy who he does like reply video, well, kind of add on videos, I guess. Stitches? Not stitches. Okay. Um, Anyways. But he, he finds a video, and all of these videos that he finds are what people call X, I C K S, X, which basically means things that for, you know, people of the older generation. Just kidding. But. <laughs> Things that girls find unattractive in men, basically. Um, but anyway, so this guy, he, he records these videos and then he has this list on his phone uh, that's called Daily Ick Videos. And it's a whole <laughs> list. There are, what's this one? At? I think it was like five. Nope, this one is 606. But I'm not going to go all there. I'm not going to share all of them either. But... All 600 and whatever you say. 606. Okay. But to share the first couple of them. So for those single guys out there who are wanting to know how to impress the ladies. Number one on his list is don't smile slash be happy. Yeah, that's such an ick. Number (laughs) number two, don't be truthful. Oh, Number three, don't tie your shoes. Where is he getting his information? TikTok. These That's... are all from TikTok. So so other people make videos other of what their make ick vi- is, yeah. and he keeps record of it? Yes. And so this is like a comp- compilation of yes. what he's learned from other people. Yes. <laughs> okay. So yeah, number three, don't tie your shoes. Number four, don't walk downhill. Huh. Number five is don't be born on a certain month or listen to country music. What's the certain month? It just says a certain month. Don't have a birthday. Don't get cold. Don't fall over. Don't bathe. Don't have a birthday. Don't have a birthday. Don't bathe? Yeah, don't bathe. The the one that I'm looking at right now, this is number 606. And I saw one earlier today that was like 600 and something in the teens or whatever. But this one is don't take your coat off. (laughs) These opinions cannot be trusted. Yep. Don't take selfies. Don't be too smooth. Don't do construction work. Anyway, there's a lot don't of them. Don't do construction work. <laughs> uh, don't, wear, don't wear swimming goggles. Don't run. Don't can walk. I, can I start my own ick list <laughs> of things that, like are actual icks? Yep. Don't be Australian. Just wow. kidding. <laughs> okay. Just kidding. Don't tell lame kangaroo jokes that you get from the internet. Anyways, that was just something on TikTok that I figured some people might get a laugh at. Oh, yeah. Those are funny. Thanks for sharing. You're welcome. Oh, and also, happy Australia Day. <laughs> it is currently, it's uh, American Australia Day. As in, in America right now, it's the 26th. Which means it's already past Australia Day? Yes, which means today is now tomorrow in Australia. Or tomorrow is there today. Yeah. Yeah. Happy um, Australia Day. Yeah, but happy Australia Day. It will be the 27th when this comes out, so it will be a day late, or two days late if you're in Australia. (laughs) 
have lots of lamingtons for me. What's a lamington? A lamington is kind of like a little bit of cake. Like the, oh. the individual cake. The, the, I mean, the shapes kind of vary. Usually they're in like squares or rectangles or, you know, cubes, that kind of thing. Hmm. But they, yeah, they're like little cake things and they're covered in chocolate and coconut shreddings. I don't think that was something that I tried. I don't, we I don't know if you did or not. You did try kangaroo. I did. I did try kangaroo. Um, and with the fact that it is Australia Day, I also... So I obviously prepared some really, really funny, high-quality kangaroo jokes. Yeah, those um, were really good. Super original, too. <laughs> I bet you didn't have any help on those. Uh, I also prepared some fun facts about Australia. Oh. Let's see how many of these you need. Teach beforehand. me something about the land from which i hail you know it's really funny as i was reading these i was like oh that's actually really cool and i was picturing telling these to you and i'm like dang it he probably already knows all of these uh, so it makes we'll it less see. cool <laughs> we'll see <laughs> okay um da, 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 da. so did you know that there are over 60 different types of kangaroos in australia yes you did know that see yeah the, the, um, uh, I don't know. I knew there were a lot. I wouldn't say I knew there was exactly sixty, but I did know if there were more. There was more than one. Did you know this part is a little sad? Um, that a baby kangaroo's meat is considered the best. Yeah, I believe it. That's so sad. It's more tender. <laughs> <laughs> um, but a baby kangaroo is only about two centimeters long when it's born. I did know that. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Also, kangaroo meat is healthier than beef or lamb. Yep, I knew that too. So you guys eat your national and, animal. Yes, and emu is healthier than kangaroo. Oh. Have you that ever is, had emu? Yes, I have. I have not. That is one of those facts. What, what grade was I in? Probably grade four, grade three or four or something like that. But I remember this guy came to do like this little, uh, I don't know, kind of like an assembly. It wasn't really an assembly. It was like an interactive... Our primary school is very small. Sure. I've mentioned that before. It was like 80 kids. Mm -hmm. And um, we had like the whole school to get together for this guy who came to do like this Australian animal kind of uh, just not a lecture, whatever it was. Um, but yeah, he that's one fact that he shared with us that like the most healthiest meats in Australia, number one is emu, number two is kangaroo. And that is like stuck with me forever. And then is it like chicken? No. Oh. <laughs> what do you mean like chicken? Like chicken's like number three. Oh, I don't know. Might be lamb after after kangaroo. Oh, right. I just remember the, the emu and the kangaroo. That's funny. But yeah. Cool. Okay, so next fun fact. Did you know the Australian Alps get more snow each year than the Swiss Alps? I did not know that. Fun fact. Woohoo. Got one that you didn't know. The Australian Alps, is that like Mount Kosciuszko? Um, I don't Is know. That? It just says Dad. I'm sorry. <laughs> it just says the Australian Alps. I don't okay. know. And Dad's gonna be so upset, so disappointed <laughs> in me that I don't know my Australian geography. Um. Well, I don't know very much about America, and I live here. So. <laughs> oh, speaking of my dad, though, he did want me to make one correction on some slang that we shared last episode. Yeah. Sure. Go ahead. With um the spit the dummy. Um. I guess it wasn't made clear that that phrase is is mainly used for grown-ups. 
Like it's an insult to another grown up, basically. Yeah, it's a phrase that you'll look like if someone is over there getting like I don't know throwing their phone against the wall or something like that, like this, this spinning <laughs> the dummy. So basically, if you're ever like having an immature um, grown up te- temper tantrum, you spat the dummy. Yeah, not not like just any kind of tantrum. Yeah, like getting frustrated. I just feel like it's a funnier insult when it it's is. a grown man. It is. Okay, next fact. Did you know that Australia has the cleanest air in the world? I did not. That's kind of cool. Specifically Tasmania. That makes sense. Not a lot of people live there. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Or especially Tasmania, I should say. So, But yeah, all of Australia in general just has cleaner air than the rest of the world. That's cool. So yeah. Just a couple more. Uh, one of the most livable cities in the world is Perth. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And it's the only city in the world where an aircraft can land um, its central business district. I'm not 100% sure what that means, but it's That's supposed to be like downtown or something? Significant to Perth. I don't know. The airport's probably just like a dirt road. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, it says that it's ranked... Um, Oh, sorry. Ranked is one of the most livable cities, and it's an ideal destination for international students. And Langley Park is an open space in Central Business District in Perth, which makes it a perfect place for landing fixed-winged aircrafts. Cool. I've never been to Perth, so... Yeah. (laughs) Okay, and uh, this one I thought was really interesting. Australia's first ever police force was made up of convicts. Yep. You did know that. I did know that one. Yeah. Oh, interesting. What a weird fact. <laughs> they needed a recently. police force when it was first colonized, and uh, there was like an economic crisis going on, mm-hmm. and so they created a program to kind of keep the prisoners in check while also keeping everyone else in check. Using prisoners to watch prisoners. Yeah. So that was cool. Do you know what the inspiration for the Sydney Opera House is? Mm-mm. The guy, the architect who designed it, he was inspired by peeling an orange. Oh. So yeah, orange peels one morning for breakfast. That kind of helped him create his like, design. This would be a good building. <laughs> um, have you heard of the Australian dingo fence? Australian dingo fence? No. Yeah, well, apparently that's a thing. Um, and it is 5,600 kilometers long, which is longer than the Great Wall of China. How suck at China. <laughs> and it's... Da, 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 I don't know exactly where in Australia it is. I would imagine somewhere in the outback. Probably. Or along a border or something. This one I know you know because you've told me this fact before. Um, but there are more... Or there is a larger population of camels in Australia than in Egypt. You knew that, right? Mm-hmm. Sound familiar? Mm-hmm. And Australia actually ships a lot of their camels or exports them to Saudi Arabia. Cool. Right? Yeah. There was something. I might have to be corrected on this, maybe. But I don't think dig- dingoes are actually natively Australian. A lot of people think like, you know, dingoes, Australia, that kind of thing. Like that's uh-huh. where they come from. I don't think they're originally, like, yeah, I don't think they're originally Australian. You might need to fact check me on that, but. I'm about to. 
I want to say they came from somewhere in Africa or something. I don't know. Um, yeah, so it says a dingo is Australia's wild dog, but it was probably introduced 4,000 years ago by Asian seafarers. Oh, there you go. So, East Asia, most likely. That's interesting. Did not know that. Okay, and last fun fact I have for you is that 90% of Australians live on the coast. Yes. I think you knew that, though, because Mm -hmm. the outback is like the rest of australia <laughs> people people ask me about that it's like so where do people live i'm just like near the beach <laughs> yeah i mean that makes sense yeah so, not actually near the beach like you don't see everyone coming out of their house and you see like a beach out your backyard or whatever that would be super cool though but, yeah so yeah that are that is a, a list of some fun facts about australia cool and I also have a short little story for you. Dope. About an Australian. Named Miles Mitz. <laughs> well, I mean, it's probably someone you do know because you're from Australia. So obviously, yeah, you know everyone everybody. knows each other. <laughs> like Steve Owen was my uncle. <laughs> okay. So if I say this name, you have to tell me if it sounds familiar or not. Donald Bradman. Is he a cricket player? Yeah. <laughs> That's impressive. Did you actually know that? Or was that just a shot in the dark? No, I... Kind of both. Okay. Like, the name sounded familiar, but I'm like, he is not... Like, Donald is such a cricket player name. So. <laughs> <laughs> Donald Bradman. So, I'm just going to give you... Like, I'm not going to go um, as in-depth as I normally do with my stories, but I wanted to give a little history of Donald Bradman uh as just kind of like a tribute to australia day and since cricket is such a popular sport especially in australia for some reason i think (laughs) i find cricket so boring really it's like my most un-australian trait probably how much do you know about cricket uh i haven't thought about it in a long time so my my uh knowledge on it is probably pretty patchy sure i know there are things called wickets that you have like the end of a little patch in the middle of the field okay um, the wickets have like uh, three stumps. Okay. And maybe I'm getting those terms backwards. I don't know. Like I said, patchy knowledge. <laughs> but um, yeah, you have a bowler, you have two batters, and you have someone kind of like a uh, what's that guy called in baseball that stands behind the the batter? The Whoever umpire? that is. Is it the? Um, isn't there like a catcher or something? Maybe it's just called catcher, but there's someone like that as well on the other side. And then you have people like all spread out on the field, pretty similar to baseball, just with less stops mm-hmm. between home base. Like it's just, you run back and forth. And then however many times you run back and forth, it like tallies up to your points. Um, you're also able to get, I think it's like four points automatically or six points automatically, depending on how you hit it. Uh, there are also different styles of bowling. And then, like, the bowler also... I'm go- I'm jumping back and forth, but, like, these are things that are just reminded, I'm reminded of. But <laughs> okay. the bowler has to, like, bounce it before it gets to the other player. Uh, okay. Like, the one that he's bowling to. Uh-huh. And then they hit it. Okay. Yeah. That was impressive. That was a lot more than I knew. <laughs> <laughs> I just... I, I never liked cricket. Well, you're lame. Apparently. Just kidding. <laughs> Okay, so let's talk about Donald, okay? Donald Bradman. Donald 
Bradman. Donald Bradman was born August 27th, 1908. So he was a Virgo. Cool. Our Australian... Astrology nerds. I almost said Australian nerds. (laughs) You're funny. (laughs) They're Australian nerds. (laughs) Our astrology nerds. He was born... Okay. um, I purposely did not look up any of these pronunciations in hopes that you would like correct Correct me and say what that actually is let's find out so he was born in kutamundra kutamundra new south wales is that how you say that yeah that's how i say kutamundra kutamundra yeah that's how i'd say it new south wales australia he is the youngest son um he has three siblings a brother and two sisters his parents were george and emily uh, his mom, fun fact, was a left-handed bowler or had like a really cool left-handed bowl that she would do. Like, I don't know if she was always left-handed, but that was like her signature move. Okay. So that was pretty cool. Is this like lawn bowls or is it like cricket bowls? Is it bowling? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I assumed it was bowling. But now that you say that, it just says she bowled a left arm spin. Oh, it was cricket. (laughs) I'm glad you asked because I genuinely was like, yeah, bowling. (laughs) Woohoo, with like the pins and everything. No, it was so American. (laughs) Do you guys not have bowling in Australia? No, we do. Okay. (laughs) It's just not like the the main. Well, maybe it's the main thing that people think about when bowling, but. That's so funny. Just different terms. (laughs) So his childhood was pretty average. He has. some italian lineage on one of his so uh, so he's a wog a what nothing so he has italian lineage on one of on one side of the family one of his great grandfathers was actually one of the first italians to ever migrate to australia back in the 1800s so that's pretty cool um when he was two and a half years old like most people in the stories i tell they ended up moving to a different town in New South Wales. This one is called Stockin Bingle. Okay. Yep. Moving on. <laughs> um, and ever since he was really little, he really enjoyed sports and playing sports and doing things like that. He was pretty naturally talented. Um, and when he was little, he actually would use a cricket stump as a bat. Mm-hmm. Do you hear about this before? Yep. Yeah. Um, and he would hit a golf ball against a water tank that was next to his house. And he would just do that for hours at a time every single day. Just to just, improve his accuracy. Just, I think he was just originally playing. And the thing is, is that the way he would hit it, it would hit like a curve on the water tank. Mm-hmm. Um, and so every time it came back, it was almost unpredictable which way it would go. Mm-hmm. And over time, that improved his accuracy and his speed and everything in his ability to react because it was always unpredictable and mm-hmm. he would just play by himself and doing this for hours at a time and so that really like sparked his interest in the game of both cricket and tennis and and other things along those lines um but also like improved his skill before he even ever started but he did start at a very young age um so he was born in 1908 like i said in 1920 when he was 12 years old 
Um, he actually was able to fill in for a local team. His uncle was one of the like uh, officials for the game. And one of the team members was sick. And so they needed one extra person. Mm-hmm. So he was able to fill in. And he really like first time ever got a taste of what the game was actually about. What cricket's all about. And he really enjoyed it. Again, only 12 years old, but he's going into high school at this point, and that was kind of his focus for the next several years was just playing cricket, and he also um, played competitively tennis for a few years. Tennis is fun. Yeah. Do you like tennis? I like tennis. I don't think I've ever played tennis. I've played, like, badminton before. I know it's not the same thing. Yeah, those are different. But, like, they're kind <laughs> They're similar. No, they're similar. You're right. <laughs> hit a thing over a net. Yeah. They hit it back. Yeah. If and it I drops, like, do ping pong. It goes out. You, yeah. <laughs> ping pong's good. So he left high school um, when he was around 17, 18 ish. And he became a, or he started working for a real estate agency. But he was also, like, obviously really interested in the sport. So he would go to different sporting events, things like that. And very quickly, he started catching the eye of, like, scouts, talent scouts and things like that. Mm-hmm. And so he he caught the attention of some selectors from New South Wales. And they basically, like, sent him a letter asking him to come and try out for a competition that was happening in Sydney. So that was October of 1926. And so he went to this competition. It was at the Sydney Cricket Ground. And he ended up making the team, but it was only for a week-long competition. And I'm pretty sure that was kind of one of those things where, like, you compete for this week. And then at that point, they decide if they want to actually, like, sponsor you and put you on real teams. Mm Mm-hmm. But he made this team, was able to compete, but he also at the same time made something similar for tennis. Um, And the thing is, is that he could have done both. Like they were each a week long competition, but they were like two different weeks. But his job with the real estate company told him he'd only have one week off. So he had to pick Mm. which one he wanted to do. And so he chose cricket. And that's kind of what helped him like really focus in on cricket is he just dropped tennis and went straight for cricket instead. So he... He placed in, it's, it was called the First Grade St. George District Cricket Club in Sydney, which is where he played his first ever official game. This was November of 1926. And again, like I said, he really caught the attention of others because he was naturally really good. Mm-hmm. So the day that this happened, that he like made the team, he actually became really, like, ambitious about it, too. He was just really hyped about it. So he told his dad, quote, I shall never be satisfied until I play on this ground. Like, actually play the game. End quote. Is That was all in there. <laughs> okay. Got it. So at that point, he was like, this is it. This is all I'm doing. This is my life now. So he he played the game and then became a regular team member for some local teams And did, like, local competitions for a while. So, basically, his performance um, overall, like, with the local teams uh, combined with that week competition that he did um, in Sydney, uh, it actually resulted in an an invitation for him to play grade cricket in Sydney for St. George 
for the 20 or sorry 1926 through 1927 season and he actually during that season scored 110 on his debut and i don't really know how the scoring works but he made his first century that season which is basically a score of 100 or more um runs in a in a single inning by one person so that is that was his first official season and then on January 1st of 1927, he uh, he basically got accepted for a second round with the team. And for the remainder of the season, he traveled to... So <laughs> the, the team was in Sydney and he was in Bowral. Do you know where that is? Mm-hmm. Neither do I. It's 81 miles away. <laughs> I'd be impressed away. if you did. <laughs> it's 81 miles away or 130 kilometers and so for the remainder of the season, he traveled that every Saturday to play for St. George. Cool. Yeah. So he was pretty dedicated. The next season continued to the rapid rise of, quote, the boy from Bowral. Um, he was selected to replace uh, another team member whose name was Archie Jackson, who for some reason was unfit for the team. So he, so Donald was the 12th player on the team. And I think only like 11 actually play like the 12th person's kind of benched if that makes sense Mm -hmm. so archie ended up getting kicked off the team for whatever reason and so he became the 11th player so he actually got time to to play and so at this point he was 19 years old and he already was making pretty big achievements um i was gonna ask do you remember you telling me like your nickname when you lived in australia sauce Mm -mm. which one the one with your last name Mitzi? Mm-hmm. So I remember you telling me when we were first dating that it was pretty common in Australia to, like, nickname people after yes. their last names and to, like... To cut it off and add a O or an E at the end. So with that being said, what would you think his nickname was? His um, name, Donald Bradman. Probably, like, Brad-O, Braddy. <laughs> Close, yeah. So his nickname from his team members was Braddles. Rattles. <laughs> <laughs> it just made me think yeah. of you with the whole Mitzi thing. Thanks. How everyone called you that. Thanks for thinking of me. You're very welcome. <laughs> a lot of this made me think of you, especially your love for cricket. Yes. Just kidding. You know, you know me and my cricket. I'll go a day without it. <laughs> Literally haven't thought about it in years. <laughs> uh, okay. So, oh, another thing um, about his time with... When he replaced Archie um, and brought him into the lineup, he scored 118 runs, which made him the 20th Australian batsman to make a century in a first-class debut. Dang, son. Yeah. So, pretty cool. Good on you, mate. In the <laughs> in the final match of the season, he scored his first century at uh, Sydney Cricket Grounds. And this time it was against Victoria, who at that time, they were like the champions. They were the represent they held the sheffield shield i don't know what that means it's like sure. the big the big title the big trophy cool the, the most the prestigious champions. award in cricket yeah cool wish i cared i'm just <laughs> kidding no that's that's pretty cool <laughs> okay and please keep in mind everyone i know nothing about cricket and i did very minimal research <laughs> you're doing great oh <sighs> I was mostly focused on Don and his career, Donald. Dono. Dono Brattles. Dono Brattles. 
Okay, so to improve his chance for selection in the national team in 1928, he decided to move to Sydney. In the first game of the 28-29 season, he scored a century against Queensland. And he continued that form with the New South Wales team against the touring England side. And this is, again, like scoring numbers that I, again, don't know how this all works. But he had an 87 and 132 and was rewarded with selection for the Australians, Australian team's first test of the year against England. Wow. Yeah. So his numbers that I don't understand... Obviously, we're really good <laughs> because he got selected to be a, basically on like the highest level of without going fully professional. Mm-hmm. He was like the highest level of sportsman that you could be in cricket. Good on him. Yeah. So he was representing Australia as a whole at this point against England. The first test in Brisbane was in uh, kind of a flop because they had lost a lot. They lost by 675 runs which is a really big number. Mm-hmm. And it was actually the country's greatest ever loss by runs in a test cricket. So, womp womp. <laughs> <laughs> um, and unfortunately, he didn't really perform that well either. He was only able to contribute scores of 18 and 1. And in comparison to those other numbers we had, 87 132, it's not as impressive. Mm-hmm. However, he continued to play. And the third test... I'm assuming um, with what we've been talking about, test is like the game. Couldn't tell you. Okay. <laughs> I also know nothing about cricket. So a test, test cricket is a form of first class cricket, which is played at an international level level between teams cool. that represent different countries. So this is the third test. So it's basically the third game. He scored a 79 and 112. And at that point, he was he became the youngest person to score a test century. So that's, yeah, on that level, that's really impressive as well. Yeah. The future prime minister, Robert Menzies, was actually in the crowd that day that he did that. And when uh, some people sitting around him claimed that a few of Don's shots were uh, agricultural or, cultural or whatever... Uh, <laughs> the prime, the future prime, prime minister Menzies responded, well, we'll be watching this fellow for the next 20 years because he's definitely got it. So people were kind of like criticizing him or whatever. And he's like, nah, we'll keep an eye on him, but he'll, he'll be around for a while. And he was, he actually ended up representing Australia for 20 years and became the greatest test batsman of all time. Wow. He his batting power led the 1932 to 1933 English touring team to adopt the controversial quote bodyline bowling strategy strategy for that year's series. So he became the greatest Test batsman of all time. He scored 6,996 Test runs and 28,067 first class runs for New South Wales and then South Australia. And he continues to hold the record for highest test batting average at 99.94. Whoa. So obviously, like, with that being said, he had he had toured around the world playing cricket, making all these records. There were a few times during his test career where he was battling, like, a heart disease that was kind of unknown. They didn't really know what was going on with him. And so he fatigued a lot. 
But he still continued to uh, break records and and everything. In 1930, he did go on a tour of England, and he he began the tour with 236 at Worcester and went on to score 1,000 first class runs by the end of May. In just like a five month period, <laughs> and he was the fifth player, the first in Australia but the fifth player ever to accomplish something like that. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Guy's a beast. And Cricket's been around for a while too. Yeah. So he kind of at this point became what people refer to as a reluctant hero. Basically he became a celebrity without wanting to be a celebrity. Like mm-hmm. that was never his intention. He always just wanted to play the game. And so when he came back to Australia after going on these tours and, and, playing these games he came back to like a new fame that he had never had before in a place that he grew up Mm -hmm. people recognizing him and he had a lot of money he had a lot of sponsorships people were offering him like actual like custom build cars brand deals things like that and and he took some of the deals but a lot of it just made him really uncomfortable he really just wanted like a quieter life and just to go back to playing ball especially because he also had some health concerns There was one point with this whole reluctant hero thing that he was actually being interviewed multiple times about his individual performance when cricket is very much a team game. Mm -hmm. So a lot of his team members became really bitter towards him because it seemed like he was just taking the credit for the team's overall winnings. And so it unfortunately damaged some relationships he had with his contemporaries. And actually one of his team members said we could have played any team without him, but we could not have played the blind school without Claire Grimmett. So basically, and I don't know who Claire Grimmett is, but basically they're saying like, no, we didn't need him. We have other valuable players on our team, mm-hmm. basically is what they were saying. So they just got a little bit bitter about it, but he was the most famous out of anyone on the team and getting the most praise for it. But Don actually did go on and say, quote, I have always endeavored to do my best for the side uh, the few centuries that have come my way have been achieved in hopes of winning matches. My one idea when going to bat was to make runs for Australia, end quote. So for him, he just wanted it to be very clear. Like he was never in it for the fame. Mm-hmm. It was always just for the game. Kind of makes you wonder, what if he what if he chose tennis? I know, right? Like how would have that gone? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Go to Wimbledon. So... He ended up kind of having like a farewell to cricket towards the middle of 1930s. It was around like 1934. Um, he did go on a tour for England or tour of England in 1934. However, he was pretty much sick like the entire summer. And that's when like the media started catching wind of like his heart troubles. And so everyone's like, oh no, you know, this superstar who came out of nowhere all of a sudden is like declining and everything Mm -hmm. (laughs) but he continued to play that season and then kind of at the end of it he started to wonder like after each match was this my last match can i continue yeah like can i continue on was this my last one so after um he had performed basically two really groundbreaking games uh in london he or he had returned to london to prepare for a trip home he had experienced severe abdominal pain So it took the doctors more than 24 hours to diagnose acute appendicitis and a surgeon operated on him immediately, but he lost a lot of blood during the procedure and 
because of the time period, a lot of the drugs that they were using, like penicillin and things like that, were still considered experimental treatments. Mm -hmm. And he had developed, I don't know how to say this word, peritonitis. Peritonitis. But it's basically like a swelling in your abdomen. And at this time, because of like the lack of resources and knowledge, um, peritonitis was usually fatal. So he had developed it. Um, and this was September 25th. The hospital had issued a statement that he was struggling for his life and that blood donors were needed urgently. And the effect of the announcement was, quote, a little short of spectacular, end quote. The hospital could not deal with the number of donors and closed its switchboard in the face of the avalanche of telephone calls generated by the news. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So I guess it was kind of a good thing at this point that the media caught wind of his health because... When they asked for help, he got more than enough. Mm -hmm. Literally. However, during this time, journalists were asked to start preparing obituaries for him. Even his wife started like a month-long journey, started her month-long journey to London as soon as she received the news that he was dying. Can you imagine like a a month, I'm assuming, boat ride, ship ride? Probably. Um, Because it doesn't take a month to fly there. Anyway... Um, but can you imagine like that whole time just like stressing, like what if I'm not able to see him? Cause I didn't have cell phones right, or any kind of phone mm-hmm. for like overseas stuff. So like, I don't know. Yeah. Just be like stressing the whole time. Like what if this trip is just a waste and he's already dead? Well, that's funny you say that though, is because as soon as people heard that she was like en route to go see him, they just assumed he had died. Mm-hmm. So it sparked a rumor okay. that he really did pass away. Thankfully, she was able to clear the situation, clear the air, and he did make a slow recovery, but he did recover. And he was told by his doctors basically to take some months off before returning to cricket. When he returned to cricket, he did play a few more seasons, specifically up until it was 1937. And then in 1938, during the tour of England, he played the most consistent cricket of his career. However, none of his runnings were as impressive as like his earlier career days, but they were still consistent and still wowing everyone, especially considering like his health up until this point. Mm -hmm. So he took a few years off to join the war uh for the he joined the royal australian air force and then the the australian army between 1940 and 1941 he ended up ranking as a lieutenant and then afterwards returned to cricket and this was back in this was now around 1945 to 1946 he decided to make a little bit of a comeback however people noticed that he had basically decreased significantly in performance and during this time he was also struggling with more medical problems like Mm -hmm. fibrosis or sorry fibro fibrositis and different other ailments like that and one guy had even said that he felt like he was watching this is so sad quote the ghost of a once great cricketer oof yeah and i feel like this story is so good but then like there's such a sad decline like it starts off so high and then it's just kind of like those are my favorite stories though right (laughs) I love sad endings. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, He continued to play 
like here and there for the next several years, but it was never anything like as serious as it was. So next to Mr. Winston Churchill, he, so Donald Bradman was the most celebrated man in England during the summer of 1948. Wow. His appearance through the country, even though he wasn't like, you know, like the star athlete of the team, his appearance were like one continuous, this is a quote, one continuous farewell matinee. So, um, people were basically going to see him thinking like, this is going to be his last time. Yeah. Like they wanted to go see him one last time before he gave up for good. Let's get tickets to his death. (laughs) His appearances. Okay. At last, his, his batting showed human, uh, fallibility often, especially at the start of the innings, he played where the ball wasn't and spectators rubbed their eyes. So really at this point, people were coming just to kind of like see his decline, which is so sad. But he decided to walk away with pride. And this is a quote from... Okay. So it says, just as Don's legend grew rather than diminished over the years, so too has the reputation of the, the 1948 team that he was playing with. For Don, it was the most personally fulfilling period of his playing days, even though... It was like his worst performing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. As the divisiveness of the 1930s had passed, he wrote, quote, Knowing the personnel, I was confident that here and last was the great opportunity which I had longed for. A team of cricketers whose respect and loyalty were unquestioned, who would regard me in a fatherly sense and listen to my advice, follow my guidance, and not question my handling of affairs. There are no longer any fears. They will query the wisdom of what you do the result is a sense of freedom to give full reign to your own creative ability and personal judgment end quote so basically he's admitting like he's passing on the baton and at this point you can kind of tell he became more of a coach than an actual player yeah um at this point he officially announced his retirement from professional cricket and people basically mourned him leaving the sport there was even a quote from uh, R.C. Robertson Glasgow, uh, who said, quote, a miracle has been removed from among us. So must so must ancient Italy have felt when she heard of the death of Hannibal, end quote. Wow, what a, so what left, a comparison. He left a legend behind, essentially. So after cricket, he returned to Australia. He had received... <laughs> So he played in his own testimonial match in Melbourne and he scored 117th and last and his last century ever. And he received in Australian dollars, 9,342 in proceeds, which in 2021 is equivalent to again, Australian dollars, $606,489. Wow. Yeah. So he made a good hefty penny on his last not obviously a professional match, but it was a testimonial match. Still. And he retired from his his stockbroking business as well to kind of focus on being there with his family. He still owned, um, at this point, he actually was chairman for 16 different companies. And so that's kind of like where he spent like the remainder of his life is just like being the chairman for these companies making investments with his money being smart businessman and he did have a lot of investments and a lot of say in cricket 
mm-hmm. like the actual sport like he was like on the board of the sport itself and at one point towards the end of his life he actually oh so he's dead yeah <laughs> i'm just kidding so his wife died in 1997 and he obviously was depressed without her mm-hmm. you know um, and the next year on his 90th birthday, he hosted a meeting with his two favorite modern players, Shane Warren and Sachin Ten- Tendulkar. I, I know Shane Warren. Do you He's know my him? other uncle. <laughs> Do you know the other one? No, I don't. I'm pretty sure I'm not saying that Shane right. Shane Warren. He was like the, the the most celebrated Australian cricket player. Yeah. When I was a kid. Yeah. Shane yeah. Warren. So he kind of like... So Don was like that for his day, essentially. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he met with them and the other guy, Sachin. He asked him, what would you have averaged in today's cricket? Because obviously like rules have changed and things have gotten more competitive and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And it says that Don thought about it for a second and then he replied with maybe 70. And so obviously the natural reaction was, well, so this was again the, the players. So why only 70 and not 99? Mm-hmm. And Don replied, oh, come on. 70 is not bad for a nine-year-old man. <laughs> <laughs> in December of 2000, he was hospitalized with pneumonia. And he returned home in the new year uh, in, where he lived until February 25th of 2001 at the age of 92, where he passed away in his home. So. I'm I'm surprised that he lived that long. Yeah. 92. Yeah, especially considering all of the health problems he had in his, like, yeah. 20s and 30s. Mm-hmm. So, I feel like I should have gone more into detail of some of his career. Because he did play for 20 years a very, very impressive game. Mm-hmm. A very impressive game. The last half of the games, obviously, from, like, 19... Whoops. From 1930 seven thirty eight ish up until nineteen forty eight when he officially retired. That's when it was like really bad. Mm-hmm. When he got really sick and then when he like really had a decline in his game and like was more of a sporadic player than an actual player. But the first ten years he was like the golden child. The one that everyone wanted to be, everyone wanted to know. Everyone was looking at his stats like, what the heck? <laughs> and he was an undefeated champion. That's just like me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I um, I like sports. And I wouldn't necessarily call myself not sporty. But I'm not, I'm not the sportiest person. I don't want to make it about me. Why not? It's your podcast. <laughs> it's our podcast. But yeah, what's funny? So um, I played footy, which... For those of you who don't know what footy is, it's not soccer, it's not rugby, it's Australian football. <laughs> Get it right. Look it up. <laughs> just just type in footy and it'll probably, I mean, beside like feet pick, pick uh, websites and stuff, it might. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, just like Australian football. Anyway, uh, I played that just like kind of, I guess you'd call it Little League. Not even Little League. It was, um, I was in high school at the time. Yeah. But we, we also didn't play sports in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, like for the high school. Anyway, um, so I did play that. But what was funny is I'm sure in my mind, like looking back now, hindsight, I was definitely not as good as I thought I was. <laughs> because like I had I had a good couple of first games, but like 
they didn't play me too much. <laughs> now that I think about, it. I mean, I was I was defense. I was like the I can't remember what the position was. But it was like back pocket or something like that. Um, so I was like next to the goal. I wasn't like in front of the goal. I was next to the goal. So like mm-hmm. still important. All, all positions are put anyway. Besides the point. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I just remember um like thinking that i was i was pretty good but looking back now i'm like i, I don't think was because back then i was super afraid of getting hurt so i would hardly ever like go for the ball when i knew someone was on me uh-huh. and, and stuff like that i was just like a, a big baby about it <laughs> um and at the end of the season i got uh you know they gave me out the trophies and everything i got most improved <laughs> which means i sucked at the beginning and i sucked a little bit less <laughs> At, at the end of this season um but yeah i had fun it was fun yeah it was just uh i sucked at all sports all of them if it included you were good at swimming it well hear me out if it included a ball oh okay. any <laughs> form <laughs> any shape or size i was bad at it fair enough and so i joined the swim team and i actually was pretty good at that yeah. so i like to think that i was good at dance when i did that too but i i can't dance to save my life today that's true so <laughs> i'm just kidding i, I can't either miles but... can floss it's a dance move oh i i think i've forgotten how to do, i couldn't so he can he can do the dance move and the the hygiene yes the dental hygiene but <laughs> um no it, it it's embarrassing how bad i was at it and i could name off several different stories that back up my claim that i was really bad at sports mm-hmm. but that's okay hopefully our children don't get my uncoordinated two left feet <laughs> and my inability to get a ball in the right direction <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll teach them what's funny is like there there's sports involving a net so like tennis volleyball mm-hmm. i was good at those sports oh interesting like we did a, a round robin thing it was again this is like um like schools within the uh i guess you call say district or whatever it was sure. but we competed against other schools and i did really well with tennis hmm. um i also did really well with volleyball but it's, my, my teammates just were not that great <laughs> <laughs> sure my my my, ser- my serves were were like on point yeah no t- no pun intended but, <laughs> uh, uh well what'd you think of the story before was good. we sign off it was good i was um yeah donald bradman like i said before like i didn't really recognize i recognized the name couldn't tell you for what but i'm like i think that might be the cricket guy like the famous cricket guy yeah. but i yeah yeah it was cool cool impressive that uh like at such a young age he started his uh like like really well with his cricket mm-hmm. career yeah he really took off yeah cool well thanks everyone for tuning in hopefully i mean forgive me in advance if i made any huge major errors especially when it comes to the game of cricket because i'm gonna start claiming postpartum brain at this point <laughs> <laughs> we could talk brain. it's a thing <laughs> we can, mommy brain we can talk about all the different ways that that has affected me but let me tell you it is like at least three times worse than pregnancy brain ever was so just forgive me in advance and we'll all be good and we are back to our regularly regularly scheduled 
uh, recording sessions. Not our episodes never stopped, but you'll start getting like actual weekly updates again mm-hmm. how things have been. So don't forget to follow us on our social. What I said that weird. <laughs> don't forget to follow us on our social medias wherever you're at. Also, don't forget to subscribe and give us a rating and tell your friends. Yeah. If you have story ideas that you want us to uh, to cover. We've got a couple, actually. My little sister sent me one the other day, which is like, it's been on my list, but like, I haven't really wanted to do it yet. But I'll see. Uh, it's a surprise. But anyway. But yeah, send in us, send in some recommendations to us. Man, I have mommy brain too. <laughs> All right. We're going to head off to bed. Um, and we love you guys and have a good night. And cue the outro. I'm a bush, I'm a bush, I'm a bush, bush ranger. Run from the law and living on danger. Wait, not that one. This one. Okay, bye.